Hey everybody, welcome back to the Jesse Nyberg podcast. I have a special guest, Dan Barkle. Really excited to talk to him. He's actually been probably one of the most requested uh, guests anyway. that I've had on Instagram. So welcome, man. Thank you. Most requested, one of the most requested. That's uh, quite yeah, fun. yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like uh, part of you uh, being a little less inactive adds that layer of mystery. Like people want to hear from know, you and stuff. I Lately, I've well, I've been off the grid for four months now oh yeah it's quite a long time quite a long time but yeah i'm pleased that people want to hear from me somehow yeah and i noticed uh you said on the story that you shared you said uh talking about my comeback to instagram how come you've been have you just been too busy pretty much uh it's been a multiple dif- of, of different things to be honest uh at the start of the year uh covid and everything i had a bit of a tough time getting my head around what I wanted to do. I had uh, different of job opportunities that meant I could have eventually moved out of London. Uh, and those things didn't really align, so I stayed at home for a bit. Then uh, yeah, the rest of the year has been like, there, there was like a period where I did a lot of work for mm-hmm. some really big people that are some of my best work, I think. And I just felt like I needed a break. Uh, I think a lot of people do feel this, how feel like you're in this rat race for relevancy. Mm-hmm. I felt like the emergence of NFTs, which we'll probably end up talking about, uh, I felt like it kind of drowned out people that were working for clients. And mm-hmm. it ended up making it more like everybody's an artist. All these people emerge out of nowhere. And it felt massively overwhelming for me. Uh, and I felt like, yeah, I may need a break from this. Uh, mm-hmm because I need to focus less on looking at other people's work yeah. and comparing myself. Cause you do have this, uh, what do you call it? Uh, you just completely doubt yourself. Yeah. Like um, imposter syndrome or something. Imposter syndrome. Yeah. 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 I, that. yeah. I had massively, massively imposter syndrome. Uh, and then I, I ended up helping out a mate, um, on a climate change project for mm, nice. three, four months. Uh, and it just gave me a little, at least a life to think that I'm actually doing something that's my comfort zone, but it's for the, you know, the greater good in a sense. Uh, yeah. And then to the point now where I've just kind of to myself for the last couple of months and I've been building up some work. Uh, I want to do a new website and then relaunch this new like pretense and my new mental health and new way of looking mm-hmm. at everything and having a, a fresh approach. Yes. Yeah. That's funny because, uh, you took on that climate change project instead of getting, uh, further into the NFT stuff, which is kind of like the opposite of that. Cause I know there's yeah. people that have some issues with the, that, was, that stuff. That was sure, man. Like that was that big thing. Like at, at first with NFTs, I was, um, there was two things, two ways that I've looked at it. First was, I felt like a lot of people were putting out, there's no shade to people that you know want to just part out that, but I, I kind of felt like I could see a lot, of, I could see through a lot of what people were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just getting like tutorials from like Greg Scale Gorilla or you know uh, any any Cinema 4D or Blender tutorial, just sort of expanding on it and then making money off it. And I, I don't know, I just something about that where I thought it was a mm-hmm. little bit disingenuous and a bit of a money grab. Uh, secondly, I kind of thought that. Uh, I couldn't first understand, couldn't understand to get my head around the idea that you would pay for something that you couldn't physically have. 
yeah, from sure. an, you know the, in the 90s and i think that was like the last decade i guess the last era of having the internet for the majority of that um mm-hmm. so it was pretty attached to physical items you know like collecting cds and sure. artwork and skateboards and clothing so concept to me of buying something in a digital space just didn't really connect with me I, I, i've sort of got my head around it now but what's the point where i've actually wanted to endeavor in it yeah. uh, and thirdly yeah the environmental thing uh you, you don't know what you can trust on the internet right but there was a couple right. of medium articles that came out and found that uh yeah they seem to suggest that the amount of power used in them was just not warrant money that you would get in return mm. um i'm quite conscious of the environment anyway but and yeah a double-edged sword isn't it like make yeah. some money and have a more comfortable life or tribute to something which no one actually knows the impact of it properly yet but right it developed to be uh, something quite big and scary going down mm. in the future um yeah, I, I don't know i feel like i did the right thing yeah doing a Everything on a climate change project, but uh-huh. uh, maybe NFTs will become more uh, better for the environment going forward. Who knows? Right. It's funny because um, you mentioned like you saw a lot of the attention going on that and taking away from like client work, and I kind of saw a similar trend and where I felt like everyone was not really being like a designer anymore. Like it was more just like digital art. Like they weren't even looking for clients. Like they just wanted to live off of selling like art that they made with no prompt, you know, or like an NFT or, or something that wasn't commissioned. And I've never really thought that I would be doing that, you know, because like I've always thought of, you know, the goal is to get the most clients and the best clients that I want. Not, I never considered myself like a fine artist, you know? Well, there are some artists that I'm friends with, uh, to name a few, Malavida and Nathan mm-hmm. Riley. They have produced work before the NFT trends that is absolutely perfect for it and mm-hmm. more power to them for you know, making making bank on it and yeah. you know, getting a good return on it and being more comfortable. Because I, I know Alicia was from Malavida. She, uh, she relies heavily on her income uh from from prints and her own work and selling stuff i don't think she does a lot of client work from what she told me so right. this is absolutely perfect for her and same with nathan runs green chameleon in bristol but on the side he's been doing a surrealist rudy work and when he brought that out it was so unique i can understand why people would buy that mm-hmm. but it's just that contrast of people really just doing it for a money grab and you see like celebrities just jumping on it and hiring designers hey can you make mm-hmm. me an nft i mean i've had that many times yeah, it's me in an email and be like, hey, "Can you make me an NFT?" And it's like, "Well, what are you willing, you know, looking to sell this for? You know, you, what, what, what platform are you going to put it on? Like, there's all these different things. You know, you have to license this out to them. You know, on so that you get a return on it as well. And I, sure. I don't know, it's just, it's just a, it seems like a bit of a money grab partly. But I mean, on the other side, there are some amazing artists that are making really incredible work and. Mm-hmm. I'm all for artists and designers getting a uh, return that they get from in monetary terms because years, I mean, decades, decades, is that, yeah, 10 years, decades. Mm-hmm. Designers and artists tend to get fucked over. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they, they tend to get fucked over when it comes to 
you're getting paid uh people always trying to you know clients for example always try and push you down on your on your rate um or a project mm-hmm. fee because they're just trying to get the best out of you i don't think they actually see the value in the work so i think this now has a way uh more power to the artist so if clients come to them now and they say hey can you do this project for me uh and they'll be like well it's going to cost this much and mm-hmm. if they say no no can you do it for this can you do it for a lot lower than i don't have that budget they're going to be like well i just made x amount on an nft i don't actually have to delve into this client project which i don't actually want to do so no, yeah, sure. i think now that uh, i guess designers and artists can barter and they can uh, demand the fees that they really deserve mm-hmm. i think that's great yeah that, that is a good it's a good aspect to it and i didn't think we'd get into this right away so i'm gonna i wanted to ask you a little bit about um then we'll move on to some other things but you were cool. kind of like with the NFT space, I felt like you were kind of a, um, what do you call it? Like an early adopter, right? Like I didn't see a lot of yeah, stuff going on with it until you did it. And then you were already like kind of done with it. And then it, it kind of like blew up, you know? And, um, I was wondering, uh, kind of, how did you feel about the whole experience with like the post digital stuff and everything? Uh, Truthfully, it killed it for me with post digital. I mean, I, I I do intend to bring it back. Um, okay. I think uh, like Matt Vernon um, and Can Cavion, I think from uh, Foundation, they're they're great guys, and mm-hmm. I have so much respect for them. And we, I feel like we got a good relationship, especially with Matt. Um, he's such a sick dude. I feel like they have nailed it now. I mean, Foundation is just all over the map, right? They're mm-hmm. verified and massively well known especially for you know for the for the way that they've designed and branded foundation but just the uh, way that they've allowed lots of artists and designers to come into uh to this space without you know like nifty gateway and uh, some of the others there's a bit of a protocol where you have to go jump through hoops basically to get yeah signed off right with foundation i found that i just accepted anybody but it was such a cool exciting thing that you could get an invite whole process that they figured out and they've evolved onto now is perfect and they are killing it and i'm so mm-hmm. happy for matt uh but i think when they approached me this was a bit of a weird space a bit of a weird concept uh because i wanted to cri- basically sell physical items with crypto and it was all based on the market and whatever uh when they had at the time i think it was die d-a-i and it just became massively confusing. I won't go too into too much detail because yeah. it's quite a private matter, but you know, the, the whole process of it uh, was really fun to begin with. I'd always wanted to do a clothing brand. Again. Oh, I did one previously at university, but this was like a proper professional one where I wanted to actually focus on the quality of the print and yeah. packaging, have a whole really good experience of it. Uh, it just became a little bit messy with those what... Um, come of it all and it just became a little bit confusing with the whole crypto thing and i think that's probably why they abandoned it and then moved on to nfts because there's no confusion there it's digital art and there's nothing yeah. involved with physical items um yeah i mean it, it, it just became very stressful uh and to do with it on my own i actually didn't anticipate uh, the actual work that goes into creating yeah. a clothing brand on your own i'll be in japari right now we're doing really well with it uh, yeah but I found it quite stressful on my own while balancing p- client projects at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
yeah, just just the magnitude of the work that goes into shipping items all the way from a certain country because you want them to be ethical, uh, yeah. ethically sourced cotton. But then I was shipping them from LA, going on a cargo. So I was like, wait, I'm just completely undoing what I'm. I've done. I'm just exposing myself right now. But <laughs> having having to then go to you know local printers in London that were yeah. trying to give them business under a pandemic. Um, yeah, I've spent countless nights, weeks, doing every single T-shirt and making all the little uh, perfections in the in the in the rib, uh, cuffs, mm-hmm. uh, putting all the packaging together, get, doing laser cutting for the tags. Uh, there's so much work that goes into it and I just didn't feel like it really hit it wanted to just because of it being under crypto uh, yeah the way the way I would finish off on this is that I think I actually would have sold out if I'd done it on a proper or a unique uh, what, what's the word uh, just a traditional I think so um, too e-commerce because people would have just not been confused but are people that said to me hey Dan I really want to buy this but the whole crypto dive thing really confused me and I couldn't pick a size and and that like crushed me really because I feel like I've still got stock now that I'm going to try and get rid of on Mm e-commerce just on the normal side but I feel like it just killed the my drive for it and I was kind of glad when it would finish when I just shut down the store yeah Um, but yeah after this break that I've had this year I'm ready to all these items get it back up and then maybe some, do some unique enough sweatshirts or t-shirts whatever with a different take on it but yeah the concept that i had for it was pretty unique and i was really happy with it and it surprised me as a person and what i'm interested in mm-hmm. people did vibe with it but yeah i think the crypto element killed it and i think ultimately you should keep physical clothing brands on e-commerce and then mm. stick with nfts and digital art in crypto because it's just too confusing to marry the marry the two together yeah you're kind of too a uh, too ahead of your time for your own good you know in that whole situation like i think it if was it, exciting if it would have happened now it may have been a different story you know for sure i mean it was exciting when they first approached me and uh the roster that they had originally was really exciting and i felt you know like i was one of maybe 10 and yeah. I was quite honored, you know, I was quite humbled that they approached me and they were like, we want mm-hmm. you to do this when and they could have gone to anybody and they did go to a lot of really big names and yeah. I was among that. So I was really stoked that they that trusted me and I'm stoked that they're doing really well now. But yeah, that's cool. Digital yeah. will be on InCommerce going forward. I'm excited to see uh, how you how you bring it back and everything. Um, I know we were chatting a little bit before on like through Instagram and stuff and we were waiting for you to get a little more settled. So how, how's your new studio and everything working for you? That's amazing now, man. Thank you. Uh, uh, we, uh, me and my, best fr- my two best friends, uh, Will and Heath, decided to ditch the old studio that was a bit out of the way and in yeah. a rough area. And we thought, you know what, you got to spend money to make money. So mm-hmm. we uh, invested quite early on into this studio down in central London or towards the south of the river, but it's more central. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've just, you know, when you see on Instagram, Pinterest and you see these studios that are taking them really nice photos and you're like, fuck, I really want, I really yeah. want to do that. We were just like, yeah, let's go for it. Let's do it. So we, um, money together, we, <coughs> we started running it out. Um, 
put some custom desks together. We did a lot of DIY. Yeah. Uh, you know, we put our, put the work into it. Uh, so custom desks, uh, we've, um, a neon sign. Uh, yeah, like that's cool. Chilling area. And that, and now we've, um, put up a huge mirror, which unfortunately has a crack in it because it was just uh. absolute nightmare to get it up the flight of stairs. Uh, and now we've put a little gym in it as well. So we oh, have nice. a bit of a routine now where we go into, into the studio in the morning, get work done, finish at five, do a workout in the evening. And then we hang out in the evening and it's absolutely perfect. It just does so much, so much wonder for your mental health by having that process and routine that mm-hmm. I'd recommend to any designer, if you can, uh, investing, having a studio, just moving, giving yourself to, from working from home, obviously under a pandemic, it's difficult and it's different yeah. to, you know, it's a different environment that we have to live in now, but having that space to go to is just workload has become so much better because I've got a space that I know that I'm going to cut down and grind. You know? Yeah. And you guys are all kind of working uh, in that communal space and our friends, mm-hmm. but you're all working on like individual things, right? Yeah, we're all freelancers. Yeah. Um, so Heath is a, he works, he doesn't work in the creative industry, but he's our project manager when we do work mm-hmm. together. Um, and Will is an artist. Yeah. Uh, and he does really cool resin portraits. And then on the side, he's started Studio 11, which is where it exists with the neon sign, uh, is just a, an environmental uh, animal rights and climate change studio startup that he has created oh, cool. uh, to create content, content in that space. It's going to be different to what you'd normally see, because I think a lot of the content in the vegan and environmental space tends to be a little bit outdated. So the approach would, mm-hmm. well, for this has been to create more modern, uh, better looking design that would figure in that space. And so far, we've done a couple of projects together and it's worked out really well. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's nice to have the two to put myself between. Yeah, that's awesome. And um, I wanted to get to this a, a little bit earlier, but you're, a, I think you're a really talented designer and I know a lot of people that look up to you in this space. And I was wondering if um, you could just give me a little bit of background on kind of your journey as a designer and kind of how you got into where you're at now with the studio and everything. Uh, I'm, I've been working in the industry for about over six years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was at university, my design was a lot different to what it is now. Uh, uh, so, yeah, I went to university, I studied graphic design, um, mm. and straight out of university, I think the education system, especially in the UK, it's very much like they don't really teach you about freelancing and going your own route. It's Unless you're in fine art, graphic design, the, the norm is to go straight into a, an agency or a studio. Yeah. Um, and there's quite a, a massive amount in the UK, especially in London and Bristol, and I... I I studied uh, in Bath, which is very close to Bristol. And uh, straight out of uni, I got offered a job at Dyson, the vacuum vacuum mm. brand. Yeah. And uh, previously, like in my third year, there was a lot of designers that would come in from Dyson that would almost like headhunt. And they... Oh, okay. My name was put forward for that, went for an interview, and I didn't really think anything of it. I thought, you know, this is a really good opportunity. My parents were obviously... I'm very in favor of it because it's a, a really well-known brand yeah and i didn't know what i was getting myself into uh but i just went there i became part of the brand team uh, and i worked there for a year and it's almost just cutting your teeth in a sense if that's just, i think that's the thing where you're, you're just like learning your trade and mm-hmm. 
need to understand like client client interface and uh client interface isn't the right word but uh just how you manage yourself in a company right sure uh and <clears throat> this is the, the thing is with with my design journey uh which is quite prevalent in all of it is that i get i got really bored yeah uh, and i didn't feel challenged at all i didn't feel like i was doing what i really wanted to do i was like why am i working at dyson and no, I'm not dissing them, but it just wasn't for me. I feel like it was a place where, where you'd be a designer for 20 years and you'd go and retire there because the the, the wages were really good. Um, yeah. but it wasn't just very, it wasn't that adventurous. They were pretty set in their ways, their branding and the, the way they advertise. So uh, from there, um, I decided to quit. I didn't have any jobs, works at that time. I just thought, fuck it, I'm gonna become a freelancer. I'm gonna try and do some bits on the side and then hopefully move to London because I had a couple yeah. of people reach out to me uh, from agencies being like, hey, we like your work. Um, <clears throat> I'd done from university that like, I put online on Behance and uh, mm -hmm. I, I don't actually think I'd started an Instagram page at that time. Uh, so I went home, passed my driving test and then uh, I got an offer from Stereo Creative and they're based in Shoreditch in London. I thought this is, this is the opportunity that I need. So I moved to London for them for two and a half years uh and then <laughs> i don't know whether to really be honest uh, okay fuck it i'll be honest uh <laughs> so when i was at stereo it, it was really really good for the first year and a half we i yeah. absolutely loved it I, stereo basically were uh, an agency that went across branding and advertising mm -hmm. for lots of cool clients and they range from quite big ones like uh, the bbc uh virgin i think uh the other ones that they had some really exciting brands and then there were some that were just like startups and stuff and yeah I, you know, I met some of my best friends now from at that agency i had such a great experience and i uh, was just working there and you know meeting people and putting myself out into the world and becoming more of an adult and just becoming a better person mm -hmm. and becoming a better designer i was thrown in as a junior and a lot of the work that i was given was would see it as midweight to senior they put me on pitches very very early on because i seemed to be able to to cut it and uh with the pressure because it was yeah much like how you'd see it how you'd see it now is that uh especially an agency it's almost like you you work right up until the deadline to pitch stuff or even on client projects you do very very late nights um that's just the standard of the industry and i think it's that grind culture, which I don't, I'm not, I'm not for it at all, but that's what it was. And it makes you work hard. Um, and they got Nike on board, uh, and Nike, you know, the biggest, you know, one of the biggest sports brands in the world, that, that's a yeah. client that, that every designer wants to work with. And they were really right. good to begin with. But, uh, as I have been on Instagram where I've spoken about how clients treat people, I, there was an experience where for a project I was hired or I wasn't hired, but I was part of the team that this project and it spanned over a couple of weekends and uh just something about it at the time i felt like i'd slightly outgrown the agency and wanted to do my own thing i'd started uh an instagram called dank type at the time i was mm -hmm. working on my own portfolio heavily all the time in my free time and i felt like i just wanted to do stuff in music at that point so i was a little bit fed up um attitude probably wasn't great i was just driven to do better and uh this experience over the, a couple of weekends nike uh they just they just treated 
designers there like shit they just didn't, yeah. have, didn't have a care for their time wasn't getting paid for it as well which i found quite annoying i don't like it when people are not paid for their time sure uh especially on the weekend uh and <laughs> so just a little bit outspoken the whole time and i did something really stupid uh where i just spoke out against some of the people at nike and kind of just showed that i was not in a not in a good place and that i wasn't standing for how they were treating the design and i yeah. shouldn't have done that uh ultimately i was fired uh, from that because they someone in the in the team snitched on me and i'm <laughs> so glad that they did that and it got me fired yeah. i wouldn't be in a position i am today because mm-hmm. i was literally dropped like that and like fuck, what do i do now i've just been fired my parents are going to kill me how am i going to pay for the flat that i'm in currently how am i going to make an income and luckily like, i put the groundwork in before on my instagram uh and the hans page and kind of hit the ground running with freelance and i haven't really looked back but put in that position where i fucked up big time and made a bit of a fool of myself and defend yourself now it was like yeah yeah you'll do or die really and just carried on and really drove with what i wanted to do and yeah i'm really glad that that happened now obviously it's not good yeah uh, i'm you know that the agency and the people that run that look, look at me fondly and you know they they told me disappointed they were in me and fair enough like i'd probably let them down but i think it's all worked out for the better now yeah and it's kind of uh representative of like how that kind of lifestyle is like when i worked at an agency too i know how we would work super late like go home at like midnight sometimes and it wasn't there was never anything as simple as like thanks for staying late it was like all right you did your job like good for you and um you you did all that right and then you worked these long weekends and then one day you just happened to say like, Hey, like, can you just not completely treat me like shit? And they're like, all right, you could leave. <laughs> and that's just, that was, that was essentially how I saw it really. I was, I don't like this attitude from companies where they, because you've signed that contract mm-hmm. that you work for them. They think that the hours that you actually do, well, what I was doing was, it was like nine five or six, never finished at six. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're never paid more for that. And as a freelancer now, if I was to go into an agency or if I was to do those extra hours, you charge for it and you get paid for it. Mm-hmm. It's just like it seems like the norm when you work for a company full time that you're just expected to just give your life up for these people. And yeah, what you're terrible. Doing, what you're essentially doing is you're working for someone else. You're not working for your own dream. You're putting money into someone else's pocket. You're calling someone else's dream it was their dream of creating this bigger agency and i it's not my dream mm-hmm. you know like yeah i just saw the value in what i was doing i just thought that was you know, i was just very very bitter about how they treated people in that agency um yeah but they've turned it around i can see they, they look like an amazing agency now but at the time it's just I don't know. I didn't. I didn't like how Nike spoke to me and how they treated me. Weekend, so. Um, well, good for you. I mean, it, it worked out, obviously. And uh, what's yeah. funny is I have a, a kind of story about something similar to that. I uh, that same agency I worked for when I was working there. I was uh, yeah, like working late and getting this like 
specific wage. And then they actually hired me like a few months ago to do like some freelance work. And it was pretty much like quadruple what they're paying me originally. So I got like a nice little uh, revenge on them because I just told them something like really high because I was like, I don't even care if they say no because I don't even like these people. Right. And then um, it worked. So <laughs> worked out you have well. to get the higher ground. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and now, you know, if you work at an agency and you're a freelancer, you can make such good money, especially yeah. in London. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you work full time for people, if you're like junior to midway area level, um, you tend to make that much money. Sure. So, um, and you just you just white yourself into the ground. I was I was so burnt out, so mm-hmm. burnt out because I was just constantly working. Um, and then what the thing is, when, when you're constantly working, you don't have time for a routine to do anything else. So my yeah. my mental health massively failed me. I ended up uh, going to the doctors and being put on antidepressants because uh, I was just I felt like my wife life was worthless mm. uh, my, my physical health as well i put on and a half stone i just looked terrible and i just you know my parents said to me you know like what what's going on with you like you're just really letting yourself go and you're what are you getting out of this and yeah i had to really evaluate it and think yeah i'm not actually getting any, anything from this at all other than negatives there's no yeah. there's no positives at all so i at the time uh, if you if I look back on it now, I didn't have the balls to actually go and hand my notice in because I just felt so under pressure and I felt like I was quite valued at the time, I guess. I didn't feel like I wanted to let any of them down. I loved the bosses mm-hmm. there. They were such great people. They were so kind to me, but I didn't want to let them down. Um, so I just didn't have the balls to, to hand my notice in and just go out alone. But, you know, I, the universe worked itself out. I was a dick. I got fired, but it's turned out all right now. Yeah, there's that weird feeling where no matter how a company is or how easily they'd fire you, if you have any sense of like morality or like compassion in your heart, you feel like if I leave, I'm going to leave them like hung out to dry, you know, like they're going to be screwed. They're not going to survive without me. And then you leave and they could just get anyone else again, like in, it, oh, not in the replaceable. worst way, you know. You're so replaceable. Anybody is indispensable in agency yeah. like that. Um it's a sad thing, really. I mean, I, I was probably replaced very quickly, um, and rightly so, but yeah, you have to put yourself first sometimes. And the, and the reason that I speak about this and, and bring it up, because obviously I have heard that, and I've not I've told a lie and said that I just left, but I think it's important for me to come out and say that I got fired because it just shows that I feel like I've done quite well off the mm-hmm. back of being fired and in my freelance career because I've been really driven with it. Yeah, I definitely. just want people to see that you can, you can fuck up and you can fail, and I failed multiple times. Uh, the magnitude of how much I've fucked up is crazy, to the point where I, I might not even be a designer at some point. <laughs> like at university, second year, the pressure of this project got to me, all my plans fucked up and failed, and uh, I ended up plagiarizing, but it was literally because I was panicking. And it came to me at the end of the second year when they handed this project in, and uh, my tutors called me in and they said, and can we just talk about this project that you've handed in? And it looked good. It was a magazine about metal and it was called The Breakdown. And I absolutely loved doing it, but mm-hmm. I was so under pressure that I just plagiarized. I put content in that I claim was mine. I shouldn't have done that, but just so scared of having anything. And uh, they called me in and they said, Dan, we, where did you get these images from? Did you take this? Did you do this? And I just, my hands up, I was like, I didn't do, I didn't do any of this. I was under pressure. And they were like, look, we understand. Um, 
you have to redo this project within like three weeks now before the end of uh, before the end of second year. I think everybody had gone home at this point uh, and uh, managed to do redo of the project in two to three weeks. It was something completely different. And uh, it was literally, if I didn't pass that, I would have been kicked off the course. Oh, really? And yeah, that bad. Because um, it went to like a like a weird court deals with education systems that yeah. with, with plagiarism and, and and doing things wrong on a course um yeah they said to me at the time like you there's a really really slim chance that you're going to get first now or you're you're going to get a high grade and university at that time it felt like if you don't get a high grade you don't get a first or a two one then there's no chance you're getting a job hmm. so me the fire in my belly to be like no i'm gonna prove you wrong and i ended up getting a first in my third year because i worked so hard but i needed that to happen mm-hmm. i needed to plagiarize i needed to fail same with stereo like i needed to fuck up in order to do this because yeah you don't fail and you're constantly being told that you're great over your career you're never going to look where to improve you're always going to just think that you're god's gift sure um, but yeah it's anybody listening right now it's so important that you fail and and mm-hmm. do bad things and lose clients and and fuck up because it makes you a better person and designer for sure yeah and what's good about all those kind of failures and and things that happen like in one avenue is like you had the foresight and like uh just i guess like drive to be doing all your own stuff on the side like you were saying and i'm sure it was mm-hmm. a lot easier for you to you know get back into freelancing and all this other stuff when you got, when you left that or got fired from that other job because you put in that work on the weekends. Like I know, um, I'm not sure if you had already created this at the time, but your whole like Dan Barco, like identity with the smiley face and everything that, uh, that's like super awesome. And I feel like that was definitely could have helped you a lot with like getting into that world. That, um, that identity was just off the back of being bitter of, uh, I think it was after I'd left Dyson. Uh, just felt like I wasn't doing it. I, I didn't feel like I achieved that much mm-hmm. that year that I was there. I was meeting one of my best friends now there. Two of, or two great friends, I'd say. Um, the emojis in, in Apple, right, where it's the upside down smiley face. It's almost like a sarcastic smile. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like represented me because I was such a sarcastic bastard at the time. Yeah. I thought rather than just doing a normal smiley face, I'd do that and that would represent me and my sarcastic attitude and, you know, having a, being a bit outspoken. And that's kind of what that summarized at the time. And I created like a little campaign around it. Uh, Embarkle aboard. Yeah. Like a, I love that. Uh, and I did it. I was obsessed with holographic floor at the time. Did that. And I sent these packs out to agencies and that's actually what got me my job at Stereo in London by giving them that pack um, and mm-hmm. being impressed with me in the initiative rather than doing an email um, like any other designer would. You, you kind of have to push yourself out there and do something a little bit different and eye-opening. Yeah, that was one thing that I was uh, actually very thankful for that uh, I was taught like in college that when I was at school, one of my professors, she was kind of old school, but one thing I took from her, she was always like, bring something that you've created that represents you to like interviews and stuff that they can just have that way. Maybe it'll be laying on their desk or whatever, and they'll remember you a lot more than you're just some other email. Right. So like, yeah, it's good to sure. have that stuff. Cause it shows that not only do you care, but you're, you're, you're paying for that. You know, you're just making these printed things for no money. So it's like, I think that's the thing, you know, when you're 
really pushing for a job you've unfortunately you can spend money to make money you have to do that you have mm-hmm. to you know do a job either you know to, to make that money or you know just do stuff to to fund that ambition um yeah and i think the pe- a lot of people just don't tend to want to push that that far and i think the people that do do that end up going really far from mm-hmm. from experience so it's really worth doing that just going that extra mile even if it's gonna bankrupt you not make you homeless but <laughs> yeah and and then after you so after you um kind of started on your own path and everything i know you do a lot of work in the music industry and uh, a lot of um like what was i gonna ask you oh um was it how was like the experience working with like bring me the horizon and north lane and all those like type of oh, um whatever <laughs> so, metalcore bands or however you want to call them but for a small backstory uh one of my best friends, Brazer. Um, I met him at uh, Tregai, which was a, a foundation course. It was the bridge between college and university. Mm-hmm. And growing up, I was obsessed. With, or I was uh, very, very different to whatever ever kids, I guess, in, in, in my school, in terms of what I listened to and what I was into. So I, I listened to System of a Down, Nirvana. Uh, uh, who else was it? Linkin Park, uh, Aiden, Taking Back Sunday. Yeah, everybody else listened to like what was in the charts, and that that was me, like grungy, uh, like metal music. And I kind of away from that when I went through school and I was around the. I, I look at it now as the wrong crowd. It went away from what I was actually into. And uh, when I went to the guy and I met Fraser, he was obsessed with metal, and we're we're still we're great friends today. Uh, I see him all the time, and mm-hmm. introduced me to that genre of music again, and just like revitalized something in me and i was like this is what i want to do i want to do yeah. stuff for these sort of bands bring me the horizon flying asking alexandria at the time we were into bullet my valentine and we're going to do gigs all the time i just had this this is my identity now i'd say it's like people know me as the guy that doesn't look like he likes metal but obsessed with it yeah um so yeah going through dyson um college as well sorry not college at uh, university and uh stereo all those that period I, in my free time i would just create concept work for those bands bring the horizon i think silent planet i did some concepts for barry tomorrow mm-hmm. um north lane yeah all of those because i just wanted to work with them so badly that's all i wanted to yeah. do um yeah i just kept grinding and doing stuff in my own time and looking back on them now they were terrible but they hit at that point and eventually they saw what i was doing and mm-hmm. reached out to me. I think the first band was, yeah, Bring Me The Horizon. Ollie Sykes reached out to me on Instagram and I actually couldn't believe it. I thought it was a joke. I said to him, <laughs> I was like, is this a joke? Are you punking me? Like, are you, are you fucking yeah. with me here? He was like, no, no, no. I want you to do stuff for That's funny. Bring Me The Horizon. I want you to do stuff for Drop The Dead, um, Church, which is the, Ollie's restaurant in Sheffield. Just kind of snowballed from there, really. Um, Doing, I think having that platform to work for, uh, I'd, I'd see Room in the Horizon is probably one of the biggest metal bands, and they've progressed more into a mainstream audience now. Sure. Uh, by putting myself out there and doing that, it's just giving me that credibility, I guess. Um, but I feel like I'm so so grateful, and I feel so lucky that I've that period that I was able to do that for them because mm-hmm. they've inspired me. Listen to Bring Me Horizon for over ten years now, and North Lane I think is probably the same. 
um yeah so my two favorite bands and i'm currently working with north Glen cool. now and room in the horizon i've done my time I've, i don't know if i'd do stuff with them again but um i've done a lot of work for them i've felt so proud of what i've done yeah i feel like i've lived my dream like i could retire now and not do design i've, I've done what i want to do yeah that's awesome and, and it seems like you not only like in my opinion but to like theirs and the consumers that you've done a great job because i've seen i was looking through some of your work you have the original bring me the horizon stuff and the stuff for north lane and it looks like they just kept coming back to you pretty much for a lot of different albums and art direction and whatnot with bring me horizon uh begin with i'd just done it was just stuff for ludens well that Mm -hmm. mainly before that it was just tour stuff so i did those spray paint tour yeah those are cool instagram uh, and I did the festival All Points East. That was that was an incredible experience of being put on that and designing it, and then going to the festival because it was in London. That was like the typographic um, one, right? With all the different colorways and kind of stuff. Yeah, well, yeah, it was different colorways for all the different people that were on that bill because mm-hmm. it was All Points East. Normally, it's quite uh, like chill music or rap, or they never really delve into doing like a metal day. And oh, that okay. was the first time. And Bring Me the Horizon headlined it, and Ollie was like, "I don't really want to." use the branding for all points east i want to do our own thing and i was like yeah it's a great idea so we created this whole campaign of it being really grungy and you know that at, at that time that was the style of it being very much like textured with post uh with paper and mm-hmm. really spontaneous colors yeah vibrant colors and all, all that stuff uh, yeah yeah just doing my first when you come up to London and you see like billboard stuff as a designer, you always think, I really want to be able to see my work on that bigger scale. And yeah, I saw that and it was across the festival as well and in Brixton and all these different places. It was just like That's a pinch dope. me moment to, to see that. Uh, and then eventually went into Luden's, had a single. And that, again, this is a good example of your work out there and show that you want to do your job because you were. Uh, it's a single that was on that game. Oh, what was it called? It had Norman Reedus in it. I've forgotten the name now. It's basically like a walking simulator. It was mm-hmm. done by that Japanese studio. Um, and they just had a single that was on that. And what they were going to do was just put the artwork out for that and just say, oh, we did a song for this. But then I just, at the time I had Ollie's number, I reached out to him and I said, I've just come up with this concept. Yeah. Ludens. Um, I heard the song. I just thought, well, I'll, I'll put this together, see what he thinks. And he came back and he was like, man you've just inspired me let's let's create a whole campaign around this yeah literally just by texting him that reaching out to him saying this is an idea he then came back to me and we ended up creating this um whole campaign for ludens which spanned over a live stream like the whole instagram grid was completely um, that's nice and it i think it was like 12 yeah 12 squares yeah I did the whole thing. Um, crazy project. The turnaround was stupid because I put myself in that position. Uh, yeah. I ended up sleeping in the studio at the time, two days straight. I barely had any sleep. I think I had like three hours of sleep. Damn. Just got up, slept on the sofa there, and carried on working. Um, yeah. Yeah. The actual artwork is that summarizes that that single now. Where I think it's the the hard drive that I did. Mm-hmm. It wasn't signed off until three and a half minutes before he actually put it out and it went on radio one damn that's how crazy quick that was yeah 
doing it right up to the mark. They were like, we're, we're, we're dropping it with Annie Mac at five. Mm-hmm. I was like, not done yet. This was like half three. I was like, it's not done. And we ended up going literally right up to the wire. Ollie wasn't replying to my text. I was like, please sign this off now. I turned it over and he was like, yeah, it's all good. And it, it went out. Uh, I don't know how we got onto that. But yeah, that was, that was a bit of a crazy story. That yeah. feels like working with Ollie. It's very spontaneous and very quick, but very rewarding at the same time. Yeah, that's great, though, that you kind of took that initiative and just it, you really love these bands always growing up and just were like, hey, look at this. And then it turned out to this big thing that, you know, like it's hard to justify sometimes like doing stuff like for free or like on spec or however you want to call it. But if you're confident in it, it may work out. And it's like another, like we were saying with the other stuff, it's just an investment. It's like, a instead of spending money though, you were spending your time as the investment there. Oh, for sure. And now, I mean, after the, off the back of me having a break and everything, and I did some work North lane for that, uh, 5G artwork, which for me was huge. I didn't expect to do anything more after that because I'd done much for them previously mm-hmm. um, under the Alien Cycle, uh, which was their previous album. And uh, they came to me to do the Clockwork single. And I was like, oh, this is ridiculous. This is the best job I've ever been put on. I really yeah. pushed myself 3D and typography. Uh, and, uh, this has led to now I'm doing their artwork for their the new album that's going to be coming out and if you if i said to myself when i was at university and in three or four years time you're going to be doing an artwork for that their biggest record to date i've been like no i'm not i'm not doing that you're (laughs) fucking with me but there's no chance of doing that um there was a period at university in my third year where they flame had uh their lead singer adrian had left the band and unknown for him um and they didn't think that would come back from that and everyone was like yeah, mm. not playing a done and uh they did this competition on youtube where they and hired or they they put out a thing for their new vocalists and marcus came on board he wasn't the traditional vocalist for a metalcore band at all he could sing and he could scream but mm-hmm. it's peculiar for him to join north lane and then they ended up choosing him and then they released the single rock uh on the Node album and it was that first single back with the new vocalist and I remember listening to it at university with Fraser and just being like this is like the best thing I've ever listened to in my life it was felt like the soundtrack to the rest of my year of finishing my degree and I saw to now and I'm working with him chatting to yeah the guitarist very very regularly on Instagram it's just like so surreal how life can turn itself around yeah that's dope and i mean you deserve it you should be definitely super proud of that because you you know we all we all run into like tons of issues uh, along the journey and like i feel the same way with just already having the um privilege to be freelancing and like i'm not you know i don't have like all this dispensable income yet or anything but i'm actually surviving which i never thought i'd be doing only like a few years out of uh out of school and everything so if you i've just realized like you kind of have to throw yourself into that like deep end like you did when or i guess someone else threw you in but when when that happens you have to do that because it it helps you like think on your feet you're never gonna feel like oh this is the perfect time to do this you have to keep going man like i've seen what you've been doing and it's going man keep going because at the start of my freelance reign 
whatever you want to call it. I had one client that came in luckily the month that finished mm-hmm. to get an agency and this was on a whim and the budget was okay but it was I was like I'll do it it's a bit of branding yeah just, um, this event in was it, I think it was in Texas and yeah I, I mean the, that period of I think it was like the first year and a half that I was doing freelance the clients that I had were so strange and like so varied mm-hmm. you just kind of have to pick yourself up and do that and then put your put your stamp on that work I mean I did yeah. stuff for like some German tech companies like branding for them and it was a, a period where I did branding and search design for a startup dog brand like a, a tri- like a, an off-white sort of say off-white right the, uh-huh. the streetwear brand but for dogs <laughs> like um, a high beast dog clothes <laughs> yeah high beast dog stuff <laughs> I was just I remember being in New York, going over to meet a client and being like, how have I got myself here? How am I doing this? It's yeah. so strange. And you do the most random stuff. And I wasn't charging anywhere near what I should have been, but it was just mm-hmm. to get the work in. Um, I mean, yeah, shout out to all these people that took a chance with me at that time. There's so many that employed me at the time. I wasn't that, I didn't, feel, I didn't think I was very well known at all. I didn't have I don't think I had like four or five thousand followers on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it just took a chance for me, and I'm so grateful for them because I managed. It allowed me to push myself, just do work on my own for a bit. You know, working out of my kitchen and going to cafes, and that's part of the freelance grind. I say you have to do that. Yeah. You have to be living on a shoestring budget mm-hmm. um, to the point where you just you keep going and you get the bigger clients, and you eventually you just you get to a point where running yourself to a business. Yeah, definitely. So uh, I was going to ask you what stuff you're kind of most proud of you've worked on, but it'd probably be the, the metalcore uh, stuff yeah, now. I think, I think clockwork, um, just because it was like my, well, clockwork and 5G that I did for Northlane mm-hmm. because it was, I was really uncomfortable. Well, it was my first delve into 3D. Um, a lot of, credit has to go to Vesta Bold, Dan Lymphway, um and Ross Mason just for like helping me get to that point and just you know they weren't doing stuff for me but they were just showing me how to how to do things in cinema mm-hmm. 4D because it's a bit of a mindset when you first get into it when you're so used to just doing everything in 2D and mm-hmm. um, so yeah I guess those two bits are the most things I'm most proud of uh, I guess Edit All Points East campaign yeah. really cool like my first big thing for Bring Me The Horizon. Uh, yeah, I'd I, I just say that work, really. It, all the stuff that I've done for, for bands that I never yeah. would have dreamt doing, to be honest. Because um, I remember you mentioning, I, I think I either saw you write it somewhere or a post or something, you were saying something along the lines of like, oh, I worked for North Lane, like now nah, nah, I could, this is like what I was, something I've always wanted to do. I'm, I'm good now. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, did... But at first, I just did the merch for them, and I was just so stoked to do that. I did like the whole line for Alien, uh, and then they went into other lines with different people, which is totally cool. I want other people to be working with them too. Yeah. And then um, there was a gig that I bought tickets for a year prior in Brixton. I was like, okay, I'll just message Josh on the off chance. Uh, just want to say hey and say thanks mm-hmm. for employing me. And then uh, yeah, he got me a VIP 
thing backstage. I think that's when I put that post out. Just, to, just that's dope. I walked up those stairs and then I saw them all in the, in the change room. Like completely froze. I mean, now if I'm going to see them, hopefully when they tour again, I'm not going to be that nervous. But at the time, I was just like, what the fuck is going on? I think like so starstruck. I mean, <laughs> anybody that meets anybody famous that they look up to, you're going to be starstruck. But just I couldn't say anything for like the first two minutes, but it made me really appreciate how far I come. Uh, yeah, I think I think the stuff that I've done for North Lane and continuing the hopefully the next piece that I do for them is the most proudest work. Um, yeah, they are my favorite band, uh, and it helped me so much through some That's dark sad. times. I mean, it's it's quite cliche when people say a song or an album or whatever gets you through hard times, but they generally have got me through like my hardest periods of my life mm-hmm. from node to mesmer um alien i guess i was in a pretty good place but and i'm, I'm and now new album i'm sure is going to be little in my in my life um yeah i'm so grateful for them and they've repaid me really by letting me mm-hmm. do the work for them and i'm eternally grateful to them yeah and i always like believe when people say that because i haven't i don't think i've necessarily felt that way about a individual artist or a group but just music that i enjoy and, and like in general it it's such a vital part of like my whole process not only creatively but just like in my life like how i how i go about things that i can't imagine you know it not existing and everything just being more boring when, when people say <laughs> uh, if I know some people that have been like, I don't listen to music. Or I know, say, that's such a sad I'm thing. Put, <laughs> if I'm put on a deserted island, I would rather have films than music. And I'm just like, what planet are you on? Yeah. I, I could quite easily, I love films. I could quite easily ditch them for music. Like, I, I, I don't know what I'd do for about sure. music. Because it just brings you back to moments. Like I tweeted the other day about how music, listening to an album or a song will take you back to a nostalgic part of your mm. life. And that recently with Node, I'd listened to it again. It reminded me of a period where I had to get myself out of a hole. And I'm currently going through one right now. And listening to it again just gave me the same feelings of being like, you just got to fight for it. you got to keep going. You've mm. got to make yourself better and uh, work hard and go after yourself. And it's the power of music. Yeah, and, and music has so much replay value. Like, I don't know how many times I could watch a, a specific film, you know? <laughs> oh, for sure. Every every year, playing are on my Spotify. You know, when they do that that recap thing every year. Oh, like, yeah, they're wrapped. Up. They're, always, they're always in there because I just spend so much time listening to them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's so important to have music. It's helped me with design, I guess, as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, I know we were, we were talking about your smiley face thing, but I also wanted to ask you about like why not, maybe not why you came up with, but where'd you get the idea for that? Um, the little sword that you kind of see everywhere. <laughs> so the sword is, uh, I can't take credit for it. It's from Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Uh, so it's the sort of Nazil mm. Sildor, uh, at the start of fellowship when he defeats Sauron. Yeah. With, uh, and he he cuts his his hand off with or, sorry the ring in his finger the the blade of Nazil. Um just always been pushed towards well I've just been so captivated by that character arc of the Sildor him being uh, 
Brantman for Gondor and him turning evil. I don't know, there's something about that sort of storyline where him defeating evil has made him evil and made him greedy. There was something about yeah. that that was so interesting. To the point now where I've actually I've got it tattooed on my arm. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i like the how it's just broken it's a nice little touch to it you know yeah i mean the, the full sword it looks cool but i like the broken i just like the the the, the arc of that that storyline mm-hmm. um i'm pretty big on lord of the rings i've grown up with in warhammer when i was a kid uh being obsessed with the films i've read the first book i haven't read the two towers or the return of the king yet but Completely obsessed with it. Pretty much all of my tattoos are the rings based. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's got a special place. That's in my cool. Heart, I guess. Yeah, it's weird. I never really like. I'm not quite obsessed with it, but I've I've seen all the the movies before, and I never really put that that together because I always just see that little sword like in such small places, you know. And but I just <laughs> I know it's you. Like you, you definitely really branded that that broken sword for yourself because you see that anywhere. It wasn't intentional. That, it's you. I think it was it was literally a case of I was a bit bored of the smiley face and I wanted to expand on it and I was like okay what is me and I'm really into like medieval stuff and uh, mm-hmm. like, I guess you would just call it I don't know what you would call it but anything with swords weaponry just cool shit like that I'm really into uh, uh, yeah I, I kind of just a couple of days years ago I just did a bit of research and I was like well how can I rebrand how can I make it look cool and I think I just saw something online of someone it was safe havens branding and his his logo looks like two little pieces of metal and i was I think oh, yeah. that was just like oh, okay cool maybe maybe along the lines of metal i was like oh what can be positioned from that and i was like oh a sword and i was like oh i'm obsessed with all the rings so it makes sense to do that um no real other meaning other than just being just like the sword i like a sealed or i like nozzle yeah. so yeah i just thought fuck it i'll put it in and it seemed to have gelled well um that's my brand going forward i guess i've gone that far putting it on my body forever so yeah now you gotta keep it yeah i've noticed like there's a lot of people that i know from online that i've talked to uh either now on the podcast or we've just become like a bit more acquainted like in messages and there's just certain people that something as simple as their little profile picture so iconic that i feel like changing it would be like crazy like uh like with when i talked to harry like his little hv yeah, his red thing and the, the red, red. anything yeah. that i see it red i see something on my instagram food and it's red i'm like oh it's harry's yeah uh, i'm trying to think of other brands really i mean yeah safe haven you know mm-hmm. his work right now like he everybody's trying to copy him it pisses me off but just shows how good he is that yeah his work's insane create a trend, create a trend. That's just off his own back. You know, it's super unique. Like the stuff he did recently with Sudden Death, mm-hmm. where he did, he's done like this sculpts, um, of like, it like, looked orcs. like gum or something. And, <laughs> yeah. But he tweeted recently of them, them being at his live shows. Mm-hmm. Just like absolutely insane. That's something that's probably come from, I don't know if he, where he works, if he's got a studio, but just from his studio, just like a small concept that can just, Big sc- on the big screen people are vibing to it in the audience like absolutely yeah. mad that's dope yeah that that's kind of like the next spot. level of um when you're talking about like the billboard and the big out of home stuff when it's actually integrated into like some kind of performance like with the uh, screens and like sound and yeah. everything polygon as well 
you're familiar with his work. He did yeah, stuff, and like Malvita too, what you're talking about. Um, like uh, that, that work um, seamlessly across that. You recognize it straight away. Yeah, Polygon did all of the stuff for Bring the Horizon mm-hmm. for Ammo in, in, on their live stage stuff. It just looked ridiculously good. It just translates so well. Um, I think that's definitely something that I'd like to pursue. I mean, a lot of tours and stuff have been cancelled, but if I was to put some work into personal projects that maybe could elevate that, and I'm hoping that this current Northland project will allow me to mm-hmm. develop that stuff to being on screen, then great. Um, yeah, I think when you see your stuff on a stage like that, I mean, that, that's probably the pinnacle of working in music, I'd say. Yeah, definitely. Backyard. You there? Yeah, did you just freeze? Yeah, you froze a little bit, but I oh, heard you. Sorry, you just no. said uh, pinnacle. That's like the peak, right? Pretty much. Oh yeah. Uh, well, I'll say it again. Yeah, the pinnacle <laughs> is probably having your work on stage. It's all very well. It's it's great having it in physical copy and yeah. being on Spotify, Apple Music, streaming services. But I think yeah, seeing it on stage. If you were to be at a gig and you'd be like, "That's me." Yeah. That's dope. Yeah, that'd be crazy. Um, so that's actually the goal do you have um, i know you kind of said like you're you're working on this client stuff and you're kind of getting a little bit more involved back online do you have any plans to uh post on the dank type anymore or is it kind of done uh i think it's kind of done recently someone tried to hack it or someone successfully hacked it i don't know how um got into it and then they sold it to someone really like hundred dollars and then <laughs> managed to get it back through the, the the good will and good faith of humanity someone got it back for me yeah I don't know. it was just a period where i wanted to at the time when i started it with this guy called alice um you know, i felt at the time that those typography pages on instagram were all just about like cursive excuse me cursive typography lettering all of that stuff and there was nothing ever that was like swiss design helvetica yeah. you know like you know grotesque anything like that was being shown at all and i was like well there's a, clearly a market for this because i love this type of work i think swiss graphics had a instagram page at the time but mm-hmm. i was just like yeah fuck it i'll start this page called dank type a little brand out of it and then post people's work but i think now there's so many pages out there that have like succeeded space, um, like graphic index and your archive, mm-hmm. digital archive. Oh, but they're, they're killing it. Those yeah, are there's the a lot where I would look for new people's work. So I think dank type's dead now. Um, maybe there's a future. And I like the name of trademark. <laughs> yeah, it's a good so name. Maybe something will, something will happen in the future, but for now, it's a lot of work as well. Mm-hmm. Much work goes into posting stuff regularly like that. I had to. I, got, I had an app at the time, and I had loads of stuff and designed in Photoshop, taking people's work, crediting them, and then yeah, scheduling them. But so much work goes into that, and at the time I felt a little bit like I was getting success off other people's work. And the oh, this is no shade to the people doing it. Yeah, but I I don't know I. I I just would rather focus on my own work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that was... Dead. It's all good. Uh, do you have any... Uh, another One of the last few things I wanted to ask you, if you have any um, 
It's kind of freezing now. I don't know why. Let's see. I'm gonna just re-log in real quick, or like re. Okay, yeah, carry on. Oh, there's that shit's going crazy. <laughs> you saw that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Completely glitched. One of the last few things I wanted to kind of ask you about then, if you're not really going to pursue the dink type thing too much, what did you, what are you planning to do with just kind of post more client stuff and just kind of be a little more yeah. involved on there? I think so. Uh, I mean, I've had so much time off to riff and it's on my mental health. I, I, I've now got the right balance between mm -hmm. design and having my own life outside of that. Whereas before it was just like, I work personal work go to sleep same again like mm -hmm. never really had time for myself so now that I've, yeah, I've, I've found that balance uh you know i enjoy exercising a lot i put a lot of time into that and yeah, just doing stuff outside of design but that's good um i think yeah it will be client work going forward I, I would like to put some some more time into concept work because i think that is the only way that you're going to get new work unless yeah. you've got clients that you can show off but um think just client work for now i would like to actually continue this digital and some limited runs mm. um i've seen what Ut utility lab's been doing recently with his brand he escapes me right now but what he's been doing recently is so sick um yeah i'm a little bit more inspired now to continue that but other than that yeah concept that's work, good pass, uh client work and then post digital uh, and oh, the last thing I probably will start doing is I've noticed the trend with TikTok and how viral you can go for it. <laughs> yeah. And but I'm reels. very good in front of the camera. Yeah, reels and stuff like that. Not that I'm very good in front of the camera, but I've seen stuff like uh, that Elliot dude yeah. do TikTok and he's been killing it on there. And I've also seen stuff on TikTok where I've been like, this is cool that you've blown up and you've got a crazy amount of likes, but. I, don't know. I feel like I could do some content that maybe a little bit more spoke, like the artwork stuff, showing maybe behind the scenes mm -hmm. of what I've been doing, maybe the process of what it's like in the studio. So I plan to potentially yeah. maybe deep dive into that, not to the point where it's, you know, it's behind private lines and throwing the lines between my private life and, and, right. and my online persona, but I'd very much like to into that because i do see the potential of just more viral because i've just noticed recently with instagram that the the algorithm for whatever reasons fucked it for people like the the views and the the like ratio now that used to be maybe like 12 months ago it's just completely changed and i don't know whether that's down to people's work not being as good or whether it literally just posting enough like that there seems to be like a weird process that you have to go through in order to get a really good engagement now and it seems like you have to jump through hoops yeah, yeah. I feel like tiktok is it's all the real shit to get I think that might be a best the best way now you're more comfortable is to just push yourself into that space and same with you like you've been going down the youtube route i think that's a great way to push yourself out there more because i'm on youtube all the time and that's how i came across you mm -hmm. so um I think maybe video format is probably the way forward, more engaging for people rather than Instagram, where it just kind of gets lost in a sea of 
you're scrolling never endingly. <laughs> yeah, I saw life. someone talk about the new way they treat like the algorithm and they said for a photo based app, it's sure hard to see anything but videos, you know, because yeah. everything's just reels. Uh, bombarded <laughs> yeah. bombarded with, uh, so I found with Instagram now that you'll look at something just in your explore feed and you won't even engage with it other than clicking on it mm-hmm. and you go back out of it. Then my explore feed is full of that one thing. Like that's not what I yeah. signed up for. I signed up for design for my design account. I want to see people's work. Mm-hmm. I want to engage with the community. Now it's just like filled with nonsense. I'm, I'm not interested yeah. in, and I don't. I I've clicked on few too many like sports things where like now it's fucked. Like I don't even want to see that stuff that often, and that's all I get yeah. is like shitty sports center news or some like. I don't know, like, this is what this guy did. Like, he, he cheated on his wife, and it's just, like, an NFL player or something. And yeah, it's, like, I don't give a fuck. I don't yeah. want to see that. If I was going to look for that, I would go on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Okay? Or, you know, where I would find that. But yeah. Yeah. It seems, Instagram's a weird space right now. Um, for I'm sure. A little bit, I'm a little bit anxious about coming back and seeing uh, how much engagement I get. But, again, you got to stop looking at the likes. I think it's a good thing now that they've... um they put that thing in where you can actually hide the likes mm-hmm. um, and it just focuses on the quality of the work rather than like people liking it because so many people have liked it. And uh, there's a designer that I follow called uh, Jacob Boyles. I think he's one of the best out right now. If you're familiar with his work, go and check it out. He does a lot of artwork stuff, um, mainly for music, for mu- the music industry. But I noticed recently that his last few posts, he's hit the likes. And I was just like, oh, that's really cool because actually I didn't even look at that. I was just looking at your work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah I think that might be the way forward yeah yeah it takes a lot of pressure because like it's it's hard not to be thinking about that stuff and not only like they make it so you have to worry about it or else the the posts are going to be so limited like if they don't do well right away they don't get pushed out to like the further audience or whatever and that's the reason gotcha. I've been using reels slightly like it's kind of like begrudgingly like I don't enjoy it as much as like flat design work but it's I almost look at it as like an ad you know of to the normal page yeah. or whatever I just think that's the way it's going on man I think mm. uh unfortunately you have to put yourself out there even more it's almost like you have to screen for attention or like look at me mm-hmm. you have to put your face in front of a camera and I think that fortunately is the way it's going because I'm a bit of an introvert so having to put my face on camera and talk to it you know the selfie camera terrifies me but i know eventually i'm gonna have to do it to get some attention if i want people to look at my work so yeah i think it's pushing people out of comfort zones as well to be a bit more you know confident so maybe Mm. it's a good thing yeah i get so nervous like something about the the iphone selfie camera like i can do these videos I talk to all the podcast people and like, I don't really have too much issue with that anymore. I've gotten a lot more comfortable, but just pulling out the phone and like looking at myself, it feels very strange and talking into yeah, it that way. I'm the same man. If I've accidentally got it on selfie mode and I click on the camera, I'm like, Oh fuck, who is that? <laughs> it's not me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Um, one last thing I wanted to ask you before we uh, go over to do the, the Patreon segment after is that, do you have just kind of any uh, general advice that you could give to some younger designers? Because I know that a lot of people look up to you and, and kind of appreciate your work. Sure. Uh, quite a few bits of advice, actually. I mean, I, I'll do it in like 
bite-sized chunks. First mm-hmm. one, don't be afraid to fail. Fuck up. Don't think that you have to be perfect. And I've learned that from my, all my failures. Um, but also, I'm a Casey Neistat fan, and I like his approach of not really too precious about everything. Um, yeah. You know, when it comes to equipment or just the way you go out in life and just push yourself out there. So, yeah, don't be afraid to fail. Um, because it, it tends to improve you rather than being told you're great all the time and perfectly tiptoeing your way around life. Mm. Uh, second bit of advice, yeah, just keep doing concept work because it does eventually put in the right in front of the right people. Um, for example, my job at Stereo, they hired me based on my concept work that I did, my, my personal projects, rather mm. than client work that I showed on my portfolio site yeah. they just said they're like you might we like your initiative that you've doing stuff outside of stuff that's paid right. that always favors I think um another bit of advice you just follow trends that's quite a given isn't it and it's quite easy to fall it's into not that really trap. a given I don't think <laughs> any with but a lot like, of you know, like there was like that whole plastic, plastic trend and stuff on a black background. Like it does get you noticed, but it just shows sometimes. I think from if I was to hire an intern or hire someone now, I'd look at someone that's just trying to do something completely unique. Mm-hmm. Um, some really cool people out there right now that I've noticed that are doing some really cool stuff. Um, that Jacob Ball's guy and Broken HQ. I think, I think it's, that's his name. Oh, yeah. I love what he's been doing recently. That's where he's Chris. Putting, he's cool. It's, yeah. So putting a lot of like hand-drawn stuff and really grungy textures. And it's almost like really, really industrial and like almost like a mm-hmm. blueprint on top of artwork. I think that's so cool and original. So yeah, just yeah, stop following trends. Be original. Be inspired by stuff other than design. Um, if, if I was to be asked what inspires you now, who inspires you, right? Obviously, there's people like aesthetically like Haven, David Rudnick, mm-hmm. um, the Givens, because that that stuff's so cool. But I get inspired by other forms of media. For example, like TV shows. Mr. Robot has massively inspired me. Yeah, uh, just so. because of the way that the, the whole series has been constructed, uh, mm-hmm. the storytelling in it, um, the way it's shot, makes you think differently, and it's made me think about art differently. Um, I just look at other forms of inspiration really other than design because you'll be surprised what you, what you actually find mm-hmm. um for example in post digital what inspired me to do those products that were not products so i did like a chainsaw in in the shop site to fill it out to make it look like a, a shop in the future that an apocalyptic world <laughs> yeah it did like those 3d mock-ups with like a chainsaw like a jerry can that shit that was inspired by The Last of Us and The Walking Dead. Ah, I was just playing that yeah. game um, and watching The Walking Dead and being in that world and being like, oh, that's a cool idea. But I never yeah. would have had that idea if I just went on Pinterest. Sure. So, All the little yeah, items in, in the world, huh? On Last of Us yeah, and I mean, stuff. Have you played The Last of Us? Yeah. So on the second one, when I was going around, and I, I loved in The Last of Us how favorite part of it other than in stealth mode is collecting all the little bits and bobs and artifacts around mm. the maps um, and yeah that that gave me that idea that was just a game and that was just me and some downtime rather than actively looking for 
inspiration. So yeah, that's good. That's a really good bit of advice, I think. Just look at other forms of content. Yeah, that's awesome, and uh, I really appreciate you coming to chat with me. And uh, shout out to the people you mentioned. Yeah, Broken HQ, Chris, and uh, James Boyle was it? Uh, yes, uh, Jacob Boyle. Jacob, Jacob Boyle. Boyle. Yeah. And, yeah I, uh, I don't know him personally, but I just know his work so sick. I always look out for him. Yeah, definitely. And uh, if you guys want to hear a little bit more, we're going to do a, a Q&A over on the Patreon. But other than that, thank you again, Dan, for coming on. It was great talking to you. Okay, man. Come on. Peace. All right. See you, everyone.